Well, good morning, people of God. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Special welcome to those of you visiting with us this morning. For those of you joining us online, welcome. Oh, we will be celebrating Holy Communion today, so hopefully as you came in, you received a number of things, a communion kit, as well as a little index card and a pen or pencil. Uh, for those of you at home, you can grab some bread and some wine or grape juice. Or uh, um, for our sermon time, if you want to type in the chat, and I'll make a card for you later today, uh, we'll talk more about that as we go. Number of announcements here. Uh, a huge thank you to the members who joined us yesterday for the fall cleanup, and a big thanks to Rick and Gail Strawn for leading it and helping so much throughout the year to make our property look so amazing. Uh, there's a lot of leaves, a lot of branches cut, a lot of just fall effort. It was really great. Our wonderful God's Work Our Hands team have selected the month of November to be an intentional way about finding a way to give thanks to God through service. So an email was sent out earlier this week uh, to share a number of opportunities, uh, of options, but uh, if others come to mind, by all means, try those as well. Kathy. The list is also on the table on your way out today. There, so that way you cannot escape the list, whether by email or in person. I love it. Uh, but let's get the love of God outside these walls. Amen? Amen. Uh, there will be a sign-up in the lobby for our ladies' Advent tea, which will be on Friday, December 2nd at 7 p.m. All ladies 14 and older are invited to join this uh, wonderful social opportunity. And uh, I think numbers are limited, so sign up as soon as you know that you can make it. Uh, looking for something to do so, uh, together with, as, uh, with your family or to come and meet some other members? Well, Pastor Kelsey has the thing for you. She'll be leading a wonderful intergenerational, that means everyone of all ages, right? On November 19th at 10 a.m., it's a Saturday morning, uh, we'll be making Jesse Tree devotional decorations for families to use throughout the season of Advent uh, to really talk about how, just how to make this, especially season of Advent, just mean more this year, right? We've missed all the stuff going on, especially right now with election uh, just around the corner here. Just a wonderful time to reconnect and reroute ourselves in preparing for the coming of our Lord and Savior. So don't miss out on that uh, if you are available. Finally, do we have a microphone I can borrow over here or that will extend? I've got a temple. T- I'm going to invite uh, Barry and Karen Ludwig to come up and share. Uh, we've got a, a series throughout the month of November here, and they're going to lead off our first temple talk. Come on up. Good morning. Uh, Just a disclaimer, just because I'm Pastor Dave's mother-in-law, I did not receive goods or services for this speech this morning. So, uh, yeah, and I... No, I'm, it's in the car, actually. <laughs> I offered to make lunch, and she yes. said she's going to bring that, too, yeah. so I couldn't even pay her. Yeah. So I believe the theme that, that uh, Pastor Dave and you're starting off on here is one of giving related to God's grace. And so it's asked to think of a time when God's grace and giving kind of connected in uh, my life. And I thought a while, and, and it came to me. That for most of my years, and I will admit this, I have given out of duty. 
It was my duty when those little envelopes years ago, some people may remember them, uh, for Sunday school, and I'd have to put a quarter in there. Now, that was a big deal for me because I didn't have an allowance, and a quarter would buy five, count them, five musketeer bars. No chance it went to church, not to me and my musketeer bars. And so through the years, I just gave out a duty. I had a good Lutheran family. That's what you're supposed to do. And as we had a family and had a seminary expenses, that duties was still there. Okay, it's Sunday. we got to give. And I just lived with that for years until about 15 years ago. Pretty sad, isn't it? That was my only motivation for giving was duty. And my husband told me, Karen, we have to tithe. This is what we do. Okay, I did it. But I had the opportunity, and God kicked me out of my comfort zone on two mission trips to Africa. And when I got there, I was surrounded by people who didn't look like me, didn't dress like me, didn't talk like me, didn't live in houses like me, didn't have the resources that I have, worked a heck of a lot harder than me all week long with very little to work with, whether they were the Maasai out in the uh, herders trying to make ends meet, taking old tires and making like their equivalent of flip-flops out of them all week long until Sunday. And then it was like, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore moment. From sepia to full vibrant color when you went to worship. Music was filling the building. People were singing. They wore their finest colors, swaths of cloths, all different kinds of design. Beautiful, brilliant head coverings, beadwork. I didn't know where it came from in these little mud-like huts that they lived in. But there they were in worship, and worship they did. Sing and give praise and dance and move. And then the offerings, plural, would happen. Pastor would get up there and say, oh, brother so-and-so this week has had a hard time. He has some health expenses. Let's pass that offering again. They passed it, and they were singing, and they were smiling, and they were swaying, and they were giving. And that was her worship. Three, four offerings during the worship service. All with smiles on their face all giving not out of duty, but out of delight. And it wasn't done after the service. They went outside and they spread blankets, big, beautiful, colorful blankets on which they brought whatever food they had. And it wasn't like typical old-fashioned Lutheran potlucks where, you know, Mrs. Sauerbraten's sauerkraut and sausage cat casserole and -and so-and-so's mac and cheese. You didn't know it. You couldn't identify the food that was there. It was just all displayed so those who had little would not have to feel in any way embarrassed. And then they would have a communal meal. And that was my God-given grace moment, if you will, when I saw how wonderful it is to give out of delight, not duty, but out of delight. Because everything we have isn't ours anyway. We're just the keepers of it. And we have to redistribute it. And I'm a much happier person 
when I'm able to give out of delight than duty. And I thank God for that opportunity to see that. Unfortunately, it took a lot of years and a big, spectacular moment for me to see it. But I finally got it. That was my gift, my grace moment, if you will, to see what a difference it makes when you give out of delight what God has first given you and what you need to share. Yeah. In the next service, I'm going to go first. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why we're members here, quite frankly. Because during the pandemic, which we're still sort of in, aren't we? It's like we have one foot in and one foot out, and we're not sure where we are. But during the pandemic, a lot of Christian churches started to just focus inwardly and just tried to survive. Why? Because no one was coming to church. Because no one could. But not you guys. You continued to be in ministry, even if for a time it was through TV on Sunday mornings, those broadcasts, which you're still doing, And we're thankful for that because we live in Ann Arbor, uh, Dexter, right next to Ann Arbor. It's a long drive here in the morning. Uh, But this congregation, you, continued to reach out to people, to give your financial and faith offerings of service to the community and to the world around you. It was most impressive especially for someone who had been in ministry for over 40 years. That's why we're here. And we give because of grace. I have a story about that, just very quickly. And it can't match this one. And I tried to monitor it very carefully as I was going through it in my mind, because being a retired minister, I could probably preach this to you for four hours. (laughs) And I don't know what kind of stead that would put me in with my son-in-law. So, I discovered my first year of college, Lutheran college, because as Lutherans, we grow up knowing the word grace, right? Yeah. We live by grace. That's the Lutheran motto. I live by grace. And every time I got in trouble with my wife over the years, with Karen, I would always say, I live by grace. (laughs) I live by grace. Even when she was quoting Proverbs to me, when I wouldn't do tasks around the house. Consider the ant, thou sluggard. (laughs) That one she pulled out on me after about three months of marriage. (laughs) But we learned early on the definition of grace. God's undeserved love and forgiveness I can remember on Confirmation Examination Sunday, because you were quizzed in front of the congregation back then, before they would confirm you. That was the question addressed to me. Barry, define grace. God's undeserved love and forgiveness. But I learned in my freshman year of college, back to that, sorry Dave, Uh, that um, 
after reading a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer titled The Cost of Discipleship, I discovered that there's such a thing as cheap grace. Cheap grace. And he would go on to develop that thought and say, it's when we take it for granted. This gift of love and forgiveness that cost the blood of Christ, the Son of God, poured out for me, when I take it for granted, and I just take it, but I don't allow it to shape me. And that's why I very early on became a tither. Because my prayer after reading that book every day, my thought in the morning, first thing, while shaving or whatever was, Lord, shape me today with your grace. Shape me. Here's the story. I was coming back to the congregation I was serving in Ann Arbor from a conference just out in the sticks a little bit from the city, a pastor's conference, and I was pulling out from one two-lane highway onto another, and there was a hill to the left, and I was taking the turn to the right, and I looked, no traffic, took my right, and flying over the hill at about 150 miles an hour was a young kid with one of these sippo mitts pulled over his head, leaning back like this. And he almost rear-ended me. I didn't see him coming because there was a hill there. And he started honking at me and tooting the horn, and you could tell he was really angry in the rearview mirror. And when the road cleared out, he pulled alongside of me and told me to stop. And here we are on a two-lane highway, side-by-side, stopped, and he rolls down the window, or at least hits the button, and he looks at me with anger, incredible anger, and I'm ticked off. And remember, you don't know this, but I was raised in Detroit, And while the Bible says, return no one evil for evil, well, when you're raised in Detroit, you know, you stick up for yourself. And he's ready to do some sign language with me. And frankly, I was ready to give it back. But the thought came into my mind. God's grace shaped me. And so before he could do the sign, which needs no interpretation, I yelled at him from my side and I said, hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't see you coming. My fault. And just as he's about ready to give me the signal, his hand fell down and he said, Oh, that's okay, buddy. It happens to all of us. Grace. That's what grace does. And if there was more grace in our neighborhoods and more grace in our cities and towns, more grace in our land, don't you think things would be a whole lot better? That's why we're here. That's why we're here, to take the gospel outside the walls, as Pastor Dave said. Now I'm preaching, and I'm really sorry. (laughs) It's good to be a family together serving God. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
All right, so next service, I get to give the temple talk and you're preaching. <clears throat> That's so much easier that way. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Oh, this is good. Yeah, right. Uh, thank you for joining us in worship today. We're going to call it, no. <laughs> I can't top that. You know what? Let's get after it. I invite you to stand as you are able. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for the many ways that you share your abundance with us. To know that there is grace when we can't get it right. To know you always love us when we feel unlovable. To know there is always hope when it's hard to see beyond today. Be with us. Make your presence known for us. We ask this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever wondered why most news headlines are so dire, ominous, even dreadful? Or why almost all news shows lead with the tragedies? Or why all the political ads tend to be filled with fear? Or why so much of our idle conversation turns toward the difficult and gloomy rather than the hopeful and the happy? Well, I've been wondering that a lot lately, especially with all the advertisements going on right now before the election on Tuesday. And I was especially thinking about it when thinking about last week's sermon, about being vulnerable with God, with others, with ourselves, being real. Early this week, I watched a TED Talk from a number of years ago where a tech guru by the name of Peter Diamandis pointed out that we are by nature programmed to pay attention to threats. And while this made evolutionary sense way back when, when humanity was trying to live day by day, it doesn't do us so much good today. It kind of messes it up. It, it clouds our view of the world so much that we miss the incredible abundance and potential that surrounds us. Well, he goes on in that TED Talk to talk about how the advances in technology and how many more great minds are able to connect to the world through the internet will actually save us. That the future is way better than we think. That was the title of the TED Talk. The future is better than we think. And maybe he's right that technology will save us, or maybe not. But what absolutely hit me in this TED Talk was the fact that we are hardwired to give most of our attention to threats rather than opportunities. To see danger rather than potential. To see scarcity and the fear of losing rather than abundance and really seeing what we have in our midst. We're wired this way. So if seeing abundance, seeing hope in our future, seeing love and grace all around us in our lives doesn't come naturally, well, that tells me we need to practice it, right? So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take a journey over these next three weeks together during this month that has this day that we call Thanksgiving, 
And we're going to practice giving thanks. Giving thanks to God and what God has given us. We're going to practice seeing abundance in our lives in three particular ways. Seeing grace, seeing love, and seeing hope. Each of these come abundantly. But are we seeing it? Are we feeling it? Do we know it or do we truly know it with our most inner selves, with kind of the, the core, like in our guts, and allow it as my father-in-law so eloquently shared, are we allowing it to shape us? Well, today we're going to practice seeing grace. And we're going to start with our Bible reading from the first, book, uh, the first letter uh, to Timothy. And I invite you to follow along on the screen. <clears throat> this is what Paul writes to, uh, to Timothy here, starting in verse 12. I'm grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a, prosec- uh, a prosecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I'd acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whew. So according to the dictionary and Paul, I would say here, grace is undeserved kindness. An atheist once said, if there was really a God, may he prove himself by striking me dead right now. And nothing happened. The atheist proudly announced, you see, there is no God. His friend turned to him and said, actually, you've only proven that God is a gracious God. (laughs) Grace is the abundant gift that God gives to us. And as the book of Ephesians tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift. I love that verse. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, those those little verses right there have shaped me and my ministry. For by grace I have been saved through faith. It's not of my own doing. I can't earn it. It's a gift from God. By grace I am saved. Does that hit anybody else this morning? (laughs) For by grace you are saved. According to the principle of grace, God deals deals favorably with God's people, even though they don't deserve it. The law, on the other side, right, would be God giving people what they deserve. And here's the deal with the law. The Bible also tells us in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10, that it's very clear whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles on just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 
And so just curious, by show of hands out there, how many of you have said or done or even just thought something that you probably shouldn't have this week? Okay, or maybe on the flip side, maybe you didn't do or didn't say or should have thought, right, about something that you should have done. That too is sinful when you don't stand up and say what is right. We've done that too, yeah, right? Mm, Yes. Well, bummer. Because that means you have sinned, and according to the book of James, even if you have sinned just one time this week, you are guilty, and the judgment for sin is death. Wow. Paul knew this. When he was writing this letter to Timothy, he knew this. It's exactly what Paul was writing to Timothy about from our reading. He was grateful to Jesus because even though he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man of violence, he received grace. Another opportunity to have another chance at life. I mean, Paul admits he was the foremost. That means he's the worst of all sinners. You want to know about Paul? Before he was Paul, his name was Saul. He was literally going around the countryside killing Christians for their beliefs. And then one day he has an encounter with Jesus. (laughs) I invite you to read about it. It's a good one. And from that experience of, of understanding what Jesus was all about and what Christianity was all about and what God was all about... Paul experienced grace. He saw life in a whole new way, seeing everything through the lens of grace. Because if God worked through law, then God should have crushed Paul, or at the time Saul, for how he was living. But instead, God gave him a new lease on life, a second chance, like we talked about last week. And Paul just, he didn't take another moment for granted, according to what we read about him. It changed everything for him to know what grace really was like. So I had a moment to myself yesterday afternoon, which uh, that doesn't happen very often in the Parker household, so can I get an amen? Yeah, that needs to happen more often. I just wish the other people in our house would agree. (laughs) So in that moment of silence, I took out my phone and I was just kind of looking through some Facebook videos and I came across a clip from Saving Private Ryan. Okay, by show of hands out there, how many of you have seen Saving Private Ryan? Okay, it's about 25 years old right now. And it's one of those that, regardless of the, you know, probably dozen times that I've seen it, whenever it's on, I have to watch it. You ever have movies like that? I hate those. You can almost say it word for word, and, you know, Kelsey looks at me and she's like, again, really, right? So it's a movie where a group of army rangers receive this mission to go deep into enemy, enemy territory to save a Private Ryan. He's got, I believe, four brothers or three other brothers. The other three have died. They need to save Private Ryan so that someone goes home to that mom and dad. So they hit skirmish after skirmish, and some of them are killed along the way. They finally get to where Private Ryan is, and they say, you got to come with us. we got to get you out of here. We're here to save you. And Private Ryan says, I'm not going anywhere. There's a battle about to happen, and I can't leave my brothers here. I need to fight. So what do those rangers do? They all stay and fight. 
and almost every one of them dies, saving Private Ryan. Which they do. The battle is won. And at the end, Private Ryan leans over one of the main characters, who of course is Tom Hanks. Who else would you have but Tom Hanks? Who's been shot. And his final words, in a raspy voice, say this. He says, earn this. Earn this. Which really got under my skin. Because I don't think a ranger would have said that. The ranger's motto for the last 200 years has been, I chose this. In other words, I volunteered for this. I signed up for this. So if Tom Hanks was really a ranger, according to what they hold near and dear, he would have said, I chose this. I give up my life for you. That's my job. But instead he says, earn this. Earn what I have done for you. Don't make mistakes or be a failure at anything. It's not okay to not be okay. Earn what we have given you. And here's why I share this story. Take a moment and look up at that cross. Now just imagine with me that Jesus is hanging on that cross. What you won't And don't hear is Jesus saying, earn this. Instead, what Jesus says to each and every one of you today, I chose this. This isn't about you earning it. In fact, you can't. I gave up my life for you. That's my job all for you. That's grace. Not earn this. But as Jesus said, remember this. Remember the gift. Remember the love. Remember the life that was so freely given so that you and I might share our lives with one another as well. Last week we talked about how important it is to be vulnerable, to be real, to admit that yes, we mess up, that we are not perfect, that it's okay to not be okay all the time. And that's okay because God sent Jesus to save sinners. To save those of us who are broken or tired or frustrated or make poor judgments or those with low self-esteem or or have self-worth that's in the toilet. One of the things I love and absolutely need about our Lutheran approach to God is that we don't have to be perfect. In fact, we can't be perfect. We can just be who we are. For far too many churches these days, the so-called gospel you hear preached is a positive message that will help you achieve your full potential or to feel good about yourself. It will help you succeed with your family or with your business. It will solve all your problems. There are Christian books out there that even promise to help you lose weight by applying these godly lessons. To which I say, where in all that is the message that Jesus came to save a world of sinners? If anything, all that stuff teaches us is that we really don't need Jesus. We just got to pick ourselves up. But not for Paul, who wrote these amazing words for us today. He understood all too well, as hard as we might try, we still make mistakes. I firmly believe that's why we have church every week, (laughs) because we need to reconnect again, right? Because as hard as we try, we walk outside those doors and we're automatically thinking, gosh, what would I like to do today? (laughs) 
but not for Paul. He not only wrote these words, but he firmly believed them. They were at the core of who he was. It was only by the abundance of grace through God that he had life. That he had anything at all. So this is the invitation for all of us today. To see our lives as Paul saw his, as a gift through God's grace. That despite all of our our mistakes and failures, or all of Paul's mistakes and failures, he still had value and worth, not because of himself, but because of God. Because of grace. Because Jesus loved him so much that he died even for him. So let's get real. As you entered worship today, you received a uh, little note card. I invite you to pull that out along with a pen or pencil. Right? For those of you at home, I invite you, you can type something in the chat or uh, you know, take out a piece of paper yourselves and bring it to worship next week or mail it into us, however you want to do it. We'd, I'd love to see all these stories up there. And here's the invitation. This works even for you introverts. I'm not even going to have you talk to anyone. <laughs> I don't want you to put your name on it. You don't have to write a book or anything profound or, or big. But I'm going to ask each of you to write down an answer to one of these three questions. I'll put them up on the screen. Okay. What does God's grace mean to you? Number two, where have you experienced grace in your life? Or number three, where do you see grace today? And there's a board out in the entryway. Beautiful board made by Mike Bartolino and uh, designed by Beth Paulo, a couple of our members that we are going to attach these two. So on your way out of worship today, you are going to kind of skirmish to the right a little bit, and there's little clothespins. I'm going to have you add your stories about grace onto our frame. Because here's the deal. This is good for us to sit and think about, for us to start to see where we see grace. Because it's only in practicing to, to see the positive, to see God's grace all around us, that we actually start to see it, that we start to live it and believe it, right? It takes 21 days to form a habit. So guess what? We're spending the next 21 days seeing God's abundance in our lives. So if it's just a single word, great. If it's a, a, a little, you know, a couple sentences, that's fine too. I'm going to give you, you know, a minute or two here and just write down the answer to one of those questions. What does God's grace mean to you? Where have you seen grace in your life? Or where do you see God's grace today? Go.
what I found over the last couple of days as I was wrestling with these questions myself is that if it's hard to think of something, it's the fact that we've not taught ourselves to think or to see the grace in our lives, to see the, the uh, importance of, of how it changes our lives because it's really easy, again, for us to go back to our instincts to see our, the threats, the dangers, the fears, the anxieties, the parts that aren't going well. So we're going to train ourselves. And I invite you to share these with each other. We're posting them on the board so that you can read them. So that maybe by reading someone else's understanding of where grace is in their life, you might go, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. God, that's God's grace too. When I shared mine, I see God's grace through my wife caring for our family. We definitely don't deserve her love every day. (laughs) But she keeps coming home. here's the deal. This grace, it is abundant. It is surrounding us each and every day. And if we just teach our eyes and our minds to, to our eyes to see it, our minds to know it, and our hearts to believe it, it will start to shape us. And then as we wrestle with where we see grace in our lives, then the next step is, well, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond to God's grace with thanksgiving this week? Again, it's not about earning it. You are not doing it to then earn God's love. God loves you. What are you going to do with it? God has given you a second chance. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond? How can you and I show our thanks to God for this amazing gift that we call life? Even when times are extremely difficult and frustrating We're still breathing. There's still an opportunity. I've known people who have done their best work when they've been laid up in a hospital talking to nurses. Making a difference in their lives. Dear ones, through grace, you have been saved. This week, may you come to see more deeply how much that grace of God matters in your lives. And then may you do something about it. Let someone else know through what you say and do. And let's get the love of Christ outside these walls. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the gift of today, for this opportunity to hear your word, to hear from Paul today about how much grace made an impact in his life. To hear from Barry and Karen about how much grace has made an impact in their lives. And now as we post these little note cards up on that wall that we might learn from one another about how much grace means in our lives. And then encourage us, give us the strength, embolden us to bring that outside these walls. To let that grace shape us so much so that we just can't help but see it everywhere around us and want to tell someone else about it. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. Please stand as you are able.
May children and heirs of God's promise, we now pray for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. For each of the prayers, I'll kind of give you a topic, and I invite you to pray. The prayers that are on your hearts today. And the beautiful thing about prayer is you can't do it wrong. (laughs) Even if you can't think of the word, God still knows what's on your heart. So at the end of each little prayer, I'll leave a space, and then we'll say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough again for this day. For this opportunity to experience you in our lives. To see your fingerprints all over who we are and what we're doing. We just want to take this time right now, Lord, to lift up to you. The people of this world the people in our world, in our lives, in our midst, and offer them all to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for creation and this beautiful nature that you have gifted us with. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations of this world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are oppressed, enslaved, for those who are in greatest need, especially in the need of healing today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up to you ourselves. And all that we are, our vulnerable selves, to be real with you and all that's on our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to take your communion cups out or if you're at home joining us to grab some bread and some wine or grape juice, whatever you have on hand and to take out your wafer or your bread first. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. 
He gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, thank you for prayerfully continuing to give to King of Kings to help support the amazing work that God is doing through us here. It's just one of the big ways that we can respond to God's gift of grace in our lives. Your generosity adds up to us making an even greater impact. Our council has been talking about next year's budget for 2023. And uh, I'm just excited because it's a biblical um, opportunity to tithe. But this next year, we're actually going above tithing. For the first time, we will be giving uh, at least 11% of our budget is getting outside of these doors. So even during this time of transition in so many churches, we're still challenging ourselves to be all about grace and getting our hands and feet outside these walls. So thank you. Just know that you're a part of that, making all of that happen. Uh, Now receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. May God's grace revive you this week and may you go in peace and share that good news. Thanks be to God.